Peace on earth. That's what we're talking about this month. And I would like some peace. I'm sure you would like some peace right now. Peace in my heart, peace in my family, peace in my community, peace in my world. That's what we're talking about. Because the birth of Jesus, according to some angels that showed up to some shepherds in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, apparently the birth of Jesus brought peace on earth. And so if that's true, I'd like us to be able to tap into that. And so last week we began our series talking about what, what this whole peace on earth concept is. What is the peace of God that, that, as we read last week, transcends thought, that goes beyond our understanding? And how do we begin to feel that and experience that in our own hearts? Uh, one thing, just to kind of recap what we talked about last week, one thing I brought up that I think is very important for us to understand is that biblical peace— is not just an absence of warfare. It's not just an absence of violence. Biblical peace is, is essentially, it's a return to Eden. It's, a, it's things the way they were meant to be with God's presence here, with life, with, with abundance, with love, with no shame. Uh, all of those things, that is what is involved, wholeness and completeness. That's what peace means in Scripture. And again, according to, uh, according to the Bible, when Jesus was born, that peace somehow was made available to us. So we're going to start to apply that. How do we experience peace on earth? And today specifically, we're going to ask this question. How do we find peace, God's peace, in our families? In our families, especially this Christmas. How do we experience that peace? So let's dive in. We're going to look at a passage in a letter that Peter wrote. We don't read First and Second Peter that often. Maybe we should more. First uh, Peter 3, verse 8, and it's going to be page 1025 in the House Bibles. And while you're turning there, I'm going to pray to, uh, to kick us off. So would you pray with me? Father God, uh, thank you for the gift of this morning and this time that we have together to, to listen to your word and to, um, to understand what you are saying to us. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, in, this, uh, in these, these moments that we have together, you would speak clearly and that we would have ears to hear what you have to say. Uh, also, Father, I do want to just uh, together lift our hearts uh, up to you when it comes to the, uh, the terrible tragedy in Kentucky with these storms and these tornadoes and the many who've lost their lives and many who are still scrambling to look uh, for survivors. Father, would you have mercy in that situation? Would you bring your peace even into that uh, terrible place? Uh, And Father, would your spirit move to bring your church to a place of great uh, healing and hope for those who are suffering in this time? So Father, would you be with them? And in this moment, Father, as we read your scriptures, I pray that I would simply disappear and that your Holy Spirit would remain. At the end of the day, Father, we just want to know what you have to say for us. Would we leave this place different than we were when we entered it? We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's read this. Uh, Peter is, is writing to Christians in general in his day in the early church, and here's what he says. In verse 8, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. Keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. 
The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. All right, so let's dig into what Peter is saying here. Uh, if we want, as a, if our objective here is to, as verse 11 says, to search for peace and work to maintain it this Christmas in our families, well, perhaps we can find here a clue. Because uh, in this, starting in verse 8, Peter is giving five commands, five, five uh, ideas for how we are meant to be in, in Christian community. This is broad, but it applies specifically to families as well. Uh, this, is, this is good advice if we want to experience peace in our families. Now, I'm going to get nerdy with you for a second because I can't help it. It's who I am, but I want to show you something that I think is really interesting. If you look at how these five commands or these five ideas are laid out, you see that there's actually an interesting pattern here. Uh, we've got a, I tried to capture it. Can you see how there's like the different indents? It goes A, B, C, and then it's like back to B and back to A. That, that is a, an intentional structure. What you've got on the outside here, uh, be of one mind and, and keep a humble attitude. These are, these are thoughts. These are how, what goes on in your mind. And you move in a little bit, you've got sympathize with each other and be tenderhearted. These are emotions, right? This is your heart. This is what goes on inside. And then in the middle is this concept, brotherly love, or love each other as brothers and sisters. Now, this way of, of structuring ideas, it's actually really common in the Bible, and especially in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. You'll see it all over the place. In the Psalms, you see this idea where, where you've got, you know, outside ideas moving in towards the middle. Now, it's called, and here's a little fun, you can share this at parties, it's called a chiastic structure, so get ready to just blow people's minds. Just, that's free. You just have that. Um, <clears throat> chiastic structure. The name doesn't actually matter. What matters, though, is that when you see this in the Bible, you see a structure like this, what's most important to the author is the central idea. Now, we tend to think when we're writing lists or whatever in our culture, we would say the first idea or maybe the last idea are the most important, but not in this biblical way of approaching things. Chiastic structure, what's in the middle is the most important thing and all the other ideas build onto it. And so what we can see here is that for Peter, brotherly love, loving your brothers and sisters, is the center of Christian community. This is at the core. And so what does that look like? Well, what is he getting at here? Well, that's where these other ideas come in. If we want to know what loving your brothers and sisters, like what brotherly love looks like, you look at these other ideas. So let's, let's move out from the center, just one little notch, and, and look at the heart ideas. Sympathize with one another, he says. Be tender-hearted. Now, I want to be clear. This, to Peter, this is not just about nice, warm thoughts, right? This isn't just like nice feelings. Sympathizing, the, the, it, that's an okay translation, sympathize, but, but in Greek, the, the idea there is actually uh, thinking and caring about another person's feelings, maybe even feeling their feelings with them, which I would say the better word is probably empathize, empathize with other people. And then this idea of tenderhearted, this is, this is my, probably my favorite Greek word. I talk about it all the time. It's the Greek word splachnon. It's the grossest sounding word. It means guts. And it's, it's, a, it's a deep gut level compassion that you have. This is the same compassion tells us in the Gospels all the time, this is what Jesus felt for those who were poor and marginalized and sick and hurting. He had splachnon for them. He had deep gut-level compassion. And that is what we are supposed to have towards others. So we're sympathetic, empathetic, and, and tender-hearted, compassionate for one another. That's what we are meant to feel. So brotherly love, when it comes to our heart, 
it's not just, hey man, love you brother, neat. You know, it's not that. That's not brotherly love. Brotherly love is a profound willingness to set ourselves aside, our own needs aside, and focus on the emotions and the needs and the desires of others, right? It's selfless. And, and that's, that's what these ideas are. You're focusing on what, what do they feel? What do they need? And that's how you align your heart. And when it comes to our mind, you move outward even further. The, these two phrases about our thoughts, be of one mind, keep a humble attitude. Well, they're also selfless, aren't they? Like, how are you supposed to have a, how are you supposed to be of one mind with someone if you're not willing to maybe set aside some of your own opinions once in a while, right? You've got to, you've got to be of one mind. It takes humility. It takes selflessness. You have to set yourself aside. So here's what all this boils down. It, this central idea of being uh, the brotherly love, Peter is essentially saying, look, if you want to love each other as brothers and sisters, whether that's, I'd say, brothers and sisters in a spiritual sense or a literal sense, if you want to love them, then you've got to learn how to set yourself aside and have concern for them, compassion for them, right? That's, that's the core. And so when you focus your hearts and your minds on others, not on yourselves, that's when you start to do what Jesus did. That's how you start to, to love the way that he loved other people. And that's what Peter's getting at here. And frankly, that, that model of love for others, that selfless love, that's exactly what Christmas is all about. I know that sounds like a cheesy phrase, but literally, that's what the birth of Jesus was. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. The whole birth of Jesus was selfless. That was the love of, of, of our God for us. Think about that. The God of the universe becoming one of us to, to return humanity to Eden, to, to return humanity back to his peace. That is our model. That's the, the kind of love we are supposed to have if we want whole, healthy, peaceful community. When we see baby Jesus in that manger, we see self-giving love personified. And we are called to love each other in the exact same way. That's what Peter calls us to, and that's what Jesus himself calls us to. This is what Jesus said. He said, look, this is my commandment. Here's what you got to do. You got to love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Love each other like I have loved you. Self-giving love. That is our foundation here, all right? So that's the basic idea we got to build on because if we want to have peace in our families this Christmas, it's got to start there. We've got to love like Jesus loved, selflessly. Now, that's our foundation, but already that's a lot to ask, right? Even if you, you've got the healthiest family imaginable, we're all still really selfish people, right? At our core, we all most of the time think about what we want and our own needs and our own desires, right? That's just how we're wired. And so being selfless, even in a super healthy family, is still challenging. It's a lifetime of work to, to grow in love like Jesus. But what do you do if your family isn't perfect, what do you do if your family is not so, so, uh, so wonderful? What if there's conflict? What if there's, there's a level of maybe hatred? Maybe there's some, some bad blood or some feuding going on. What do you do if there are people in your family that just rub you the wrong way or push your buttons or, or just drive you up the wall? What if there's abuse? Like, what do you do if your family is broken? How are you supposed to love them when it's already hard to be selfless in the first place? 
Well, Peter goes on. He doesn't end there because in verse 9, he, he basically says, look, if you want to make this selfless brotherly love possible, well, you got to go a step further than just, than just loving others. Here's what it looks like. He says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. I'm sorry. Can you just imagine that for a minute? Like, just think, all right, put yourself Christmas Eve. You're with your family, somebody in your family, and you know who it is, I'm sure. They insult you or they mock you or they make fun of you and everybody's laughing and they're all at your expense. And so what do you do? You pay them back with a compliment and you get them a better Christmas gift. Like, that's insane, right? Come on. That is absolutely wild. Can you even imagine doing that? Can you imagine? That, that, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, who would do that? Who would do that? Well, according to Peter, Jesus would. Jesus would do that. Now, it's not explicit, but what, what Peter is doing here is he is picking up on a teaching of Jesus that, that Jesus himself gave that is so wild and so provocative and yet so important and so crucial that it gets picked up all over the New Testament. I mean, we're talking, it shows up everywhere. It's the idea of loving your enemies. For example, Matthew, he quotes Jesus directly. Uh, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And Luke, he picks up the same teaching. He's got love your enemies. Jesus says, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. The apostle Paul, he picks up on this idea. In Romans, he says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And even the apostle James, he, he tapped into this same thread of ideas. He said, jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. The wisdom from above is peace-loving, gentle at all times, and look at this, willing to yield to others. This, I, it's everywhere, this idea. I mean, Peter, James, Paul, Matthew, Luke, it's, it's all over. It's almost as if, it's almost as if this is a teaching that we're supposed to pay attention to. I don't know. I'm, I mean, maybe. Maybe this is important for us. Love your enemies. Bless those who insult you. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. But if you think about it, it fits pretty well with that selfless attitude that we already talked about from verse 8, doesn't it? You set yourself aside. You focus on the needs of others, even if they're out to get you. It's wild, but it's coherent. It fits. That, that kind of posture, that kind of approach is how we maintain brotherly love. That, that love for others, setting ourselves aside, that is how we find peace in our families this Christmas. Not just selflessness, but radical selflessness. So let's give up, right? Because that sounds far too hard for us. That's impossible, right? Let's just, can we just walk away? Raise your hand if you are really looking forward to just being the family punching bag this Christmas. If you just want to be walked all over by your family, raise your, all right. Tell me, anybody in here who's super excited about like going out of your way to bless your family members that you can't stand? Anybody really pumped about that? No, of course not. Right, so let's just give up. Let's walk away because this is too much. It's too impossible. I, I, I don't know how we're going to do this, right? Well, obviously not because I'm a pastor. I'm not allowed to give up. We're not giving up. So <laughs> if we're not going to give up and we are going to stay on this path looking for peace in our families, then how in the world are we going to do this? 
Well, I have some good news, a little bit of good news, and it's that Peter does not leave it there. He doesn't just drop us on our face and say, good luck with that. Peter has some thoughts about why this maybe isn't quite so hopeless, so impossible, and I want us to look at those because, frankly, we need to hear this. We need to hear this. So let's talk about this. Uh, What do we do with this? It seems like an awful lot to ask. Is there hope? Yes. So let's look at verse 9, where Peter continues this thought. He says, he says the rest of verse 9, this is what God has called you to do. All this radical, selfless, self-giving love, God has called you to this, and he will grant you his blessing. Blessing. Now, I've talked about this before, but, but the blessing of God in Scripture, it's not just some like vague spiritual aura around yourself. It's not, it's not just like money in your bank account. No, blessing, uh, the blessing of God, it, frankly, it's actually got a lot in common with the peace of God. Blessing is like a return to God's intentions for your life, where God's presence is with you, where you are whole, where you are alive, where you're joyful. That's blessing. When God's blessing uh, is in you, it's like you are starting to live an Eden kind of life. Now, this, this concept, Peter says that God will give this to us. He'll give us his blessing. Uh, and actually, in Greek, he says that we will inherit this blessing. It's an inheritance. Now, what's unique about an inheritance is that it's coming your way no matter what, right? You don't, you don't do anything. It's yours by right. An inheritance is yours. And so Peter's saying, as children of God, we are going to get this inheritance of blessing, this inheritance of peace. It's ours. And so Peter throws this in here in the middle of a pretty difficult ask, I think for a very specific reason. I think what he's getting at here is, look, we've got God's blessing as our inheritance, And so when we are loving others, when we're blessing others, it overflows out of what we already have. Does that make sense? It's not, it, it's not that it's coming out of our own like good intentions. It's that it's coming out of the blessing that we've already received that's already ours. I mean, we don't deserve God's blessing. Think about it. How many of us have earned the, the right to be in God's presence again, like through our perfect actions? No, none of us. We don't deserve the boundless grace of God. He blesses us despite our rebellion. We, scripture tells us we were his enemies. Because of our rebellion and our sin and our, our obstinacy, we were his enemies, and yet he still loved us enough while we were still sinners to send his son to become one of us, to die for us, to to rise again. He loved us even though we were his enemies. So is it really so crazy to think that we might be called to do the same to those who've gotten on our bad sides? Is that so crazy? Especially when we already have this reservoir of blessing that is ours by inheritance. We talked last week about the peace of God that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ. And what we, what we talked about is when we focus our mind on what God has done for us. Remember, you mean there's more? When, we, when that's our mentality, our mindset, it changes our outlook on the world. I believe we can bless others, even our enemies. We can bless them because we've already been blessed. Again, we're not generating this love and blessing out of thin air. It doesn't come from our good intentions. It comes from what God has already done for us. He's done this for us. We'll do this for them. We are overflowing blessing that we've already received. You focus on that. You you get that in your mind. 
And I think you, you can start to allow the peace of God to transform not just you, but those who are around you. Loving your enemies doesn't seem quite so ridiculous when you think about what love has already been shown to you. So that's the first clue. That's the first thing that we can hold on to that, that at least helps me think, okay, maybe it's not entirely impossible. I'm not doing this from my own reservoir of strength. I'm doing it from my inheritance of peace. That's the first bit of hope. The second bit of hope is a little different. Look at verse 10. In this verse, and for the next couple of verses, Peter quotes Psalm 34. You can go read the whole psalm later if you want, but he quotes Psalm 34, and I'll just kind of paraphrase it and read it. He says, it says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, you can read into that. If you, in other words, if you want to experience Eden, if you want the peace of God, if you want to live into your inheritance of blessing, if that's what you want, then do this. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. In other words, Stop talking trash about each other, right? Stop talking trash. Turn away from evil and do good. And this is the key. If you want life, search for peace and work to maintain it. Search for peace and work to maintain it. If you do that, verse 12 says, remember that the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. In other words, in other words, as you're doing your very best, to live out the, the self-giving love of Jesus in your family. As you're, you're doing your best to try and love your enemies and to have compassion and empathy for the needs of others, as you're learning how to set yourself aside and overflow God's blessing out of your life into theirs, remember that you are not alone. God is watching over you. His, his face is turned towards you. His, his spirit is strengthening you. He hears your prayers. You're not in this alone. The Lord is near. Remember that breath prayer from last week? The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Guys, he is with you. And as you are trying to love your enemies, as you're trying to care for your family, you're not doing this alone. Peace on earth is now possible in our hearts, in our families, in our world, because Jesus already came to show us the way and he is walking with us in it. The Lord is near. If we want peace in our families this Christmas, then we must love like Jesus loved, but we don't have to do that on our own. Remember that he has given us an inheritance of peace, an inheritance of blessing from which to overflow, and we are not alone in this. He is with us. So, okay. I don't think it's impossible. It is hard. It's hard because we're human. We're selfish. This concept of setting ourselves aside, this is a lifetime journey for all of us to become like Christ. But how do we do this? How do we put it into practice this Christmas? Like, like literally, what, what are some things that you could be doing right now to actually work on some of this if we want to make progress? Well, I want to leave you with some of that. So I've got three encouragements for you to consider. This comes from my heart based on this passage. Three encouragements for you as you try to set yourself aside this Christmas. All right? The first one, the first encouragement is this. Practice empathy. Practice empathy. As I said before, Peter encourages his readers in verse 8 to have, have sympathy, empathy for one another, and, and to have deep gut-level compassion 
to focus on the needs of others. In, in other words, selfless love involves trying to understand, trying to even share the emotions of others. So uh, let me ask you this. How well do you do that with, with your family? How well do you do at, at sharing the emotions and the understanding of the other, other, other needs of, of family members? Parents, parents, uh, when you are saying the words, what were you thinking? The, you know, when your kids are, are doing something and you're just like, uh, how could you, why would you do this? How many times do you actually try to understand what they were thinking or what they were feeling or, or why, what they were feeling when, when they, uh, I don't know, dumped the pound of sugar down the air vent or whatever it is that kids do? Like, what were you, what were they feeling? What were they thinking? Do you uh, respond with empathy or do you clap back because you're frustrated and angry at what they're doing. Are you practicing self-giving love, setting yourself aside and focusing on their emotions and their needs? Or, or the, when your teenager is, is going off on you about something and they're, they're just blowing up and they're having this, this, this crazy angry you know, tirade or whatever, do you, do you just clamp down or are you trying to understand what they're going through, what they're feeling right now? Or let me flip it around, teenagers. Teenagers, when you're walking around saying, oh, my parents don't understand me, oh, my house is a nightmare, whatever it is that you're feeling, like, do you think ever about what your parents are feeling? What's it like to raise you? <laughs> I mean, have you thought about that? Uh, I, and I'm being serious here, as a teenager, like, or as a young adult or whatever, have you thought about your parents as human beings that need love and concern and compassion just like you do? Are you thinking about them? Practice empathy. Or for all of us, look, every one of us has got somebody, somebody in our life or in our family that, that just, they're just gonna go on their big tirade, right, about what they read on Facebook. They're all angry. They're all upset, whatever. And it is so easy to just like shut down, close them off, not think about it. But do you practice empathy for what they're feeling? Why are they so angry? What are they afraid of? Where does it come from in their core? When we begin to see others the way that Jesus sees us, that's when we can start to set ourselves aside and actually love and bring peace into our families. Do we practice empathy with them? You get the idea, right? This works for any family relationship. Are we willing to set ourselves aside long enough to actually understand what they're going through, what they're feeling right now? Sympathize with one another. Be tender-hearted. That is at the core of brotherly love. Jesus already showed us the way on this one. He had deep compassion, gut-level compassion for everyone he met because he had empathy. He was born as one of us. He got it. He understood what it's like to be human. He understood that at our core, every one of us is just insecure and broken and looking for love and for purpose. He understood that. So can we begin to see our family members the way that Jesus sees us? Can we set ourselves aside for a minute and practice empathy? Because if we do, if we can get better at this, I really genuinely believe that we may very well experience a peace that transcends thought, a pe the peace of God that goes beyond our ability to understand. Practice empathy. That's the first encouragement. Practice empathy. The second one is this. Remember grace, not the church, the idea. Remember grace. I mentioned before that we have this inheritance of peace, this inheritance of God's blessing, that, again, we did nothing to earn. 
It's an inheritance because God adopted us as his children. And so, boom, it's ours, whether we, whether we did anything or not. If we are going to search for peace and work to maintain it this Christmas, then I believe we've got to remember where we came from. We were, as I said, we were God's enemies. We were opposed to his purposes. And yet, even as we were still sinners, God entered into our world uh, because of his boundless grace, his grace for us. The birth of Jesus was a gift that not a single one of us earned, not a single one of us deserves. Can we remember that grace when in our family, when we are faced with lies or insults or shame or enemies, can we remember when that person, and you know the one I'm talking about, when that person starts to try pushing your buttons because they love to push your buttons, they love seeing you react, in those moments, can you remember grace, that God had grace on you, undeserved grace? And can you overflow from the deep well of blessing that is yours into their life? Because look, you don't deserve God's blessing and they don't deserve yours. But that is how grace works. That's how grace works. It is a free, undeserved gift. If we ever want true peace on earth, if we want peace in our families, in our hearts, in our world, then this truth of grace is something that we all need to learn and internalize. Jesus loved us while we were still sinners, and we are called to love in the exact same way. So practice empathy. Remember grace. And finally, I want to just encourage you with this. Keep going. Keep going. Last week, I mentioned the, the, the breath prayer, the Lord is near. It has two meanings. Remember that? The one meaning is what we already talked about today of, of God uh, being near us, of Jesus being with us in our, in our challenges, in our pain, as we learn to, to be like him. He's with us. He's close. It also means that the Lord is coming soon. The Lord is near. He's, he's on the way. He's on the way. So yes, the world is still broken, but this Christmas... This, since Christmas morning, and this Christmas, I want us to remember this, Jesus has been on the move. He's been on the move to make all things right, including your broken family. He is on the way. He is moving. He is near. So don't lose hope. Keep going. You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So don't give up. Don't give up. The Lord is near. Grow your endurance as you wait for God to move. He's moving. He is on the way. Don't give up. Keep going. Well, look, I know the holidays often bring out the worst in our families. We're all crammed inside together in the cold. Like, it, this is the best time to bring up the, the challenges of our life. But I want you to remember something. This year can be different. It can be different. What, what if we set ourselves aside this year? As hard as it is, what if we set ourselves aside and loved our family better than we ever have before? What if we did that? Search for peace and work to maintain it. Practice empathy, guys. Remember God's grace for you. And keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. It is not an easy road to walk. But we're not walking this road alone. Jesus is with us every step of the way. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church, and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us/hub. 
There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.